0: Good morning, good morning, are y'all doing okay this morning? Okay, it was the same thing first service, y'all are awake. Let's try it over here again, are y'all doing okay this morning? Awesome, y'all look good, most of you look good. Um, I'm kidding, it is an honor to be here with you guys today. And uh, if it's okay, I wanna jump straight into the word. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John 5, it'll be on the screen behind me. We're gonna be in John 5 uh, today. We'll start in verse one. Awesome. Says so sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which it is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed and one who had been there Uh, was an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk and at once he was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. Today, I want to talk to you. It's a very simple idea, uh, but it is, it is how to get unstuck. Yeah, maybe you're in a season of uncertainty. Uh, maybe you are just needing some courage and hope this morning. My prayer is that you would receive that in Jesus' name. Uh, let, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. God, I pray uh, for every person in this room, as we uh, dig into your word this morning, that you would speak through it. God, we love the Bible. It is, the, it is alive, and it is active, and it's sharp, and it can show us how to live. It transforms lives. It's the only thing that doesn't need an update. And I, God, I just pray that you would speak through it today, God, that you would use somebody as broken as I am, to deliver the gospel, it is the good news and it is the best news. And I just pray that we would receive it today in Jesus name, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, good morning Fayetteville. Uh, it is an honor to be here. Just so you know, Fayetteville is way cooler than Malmel. That's where I live currently. <laughs> we have a Chick-fil-A, a Kroger, and a Walmart, and like a ran-down Sonic. So y'all have got it going. We, uh, my wife was here at first service. She's with our kiddos uh, now, and we had Wrights Barbecue yesterday. And I just, I'm just telling you, that is anointed. Okay? <laughs> uh, it was so good. We got ribs, and uh, it was, it was really, really good. Um, And I I just want to honor your pastors. I love the Kimbros so much. Ashley and Jason are amazing, and the Matsuyamas and the Paxtons and all of the team that leads here. Um, But they're they're very special to Kendra and I. We uh, got saved in their ministry. Ten years ago, I walked into that ministry. I actually got tricked into going to New Life Church. Ten years ago, I was in college. I showed up to get a watch that they used to give away, these little watches. They were so cheesy. And I showed up and got a watch and left with Jesus. Can I get an amen, okay? And I came because there was girls and free food and, and merch literally got me to church, okay? So uh, my life was changed, but these these couples were pivotal And many things in my life. And uh, it was amazing to be a part of the ministry they led. And then they moved up here about seven years ago and planted New Life Church in Fayetteville. I was at the first service. That was the last time I was here. I was at the first service at the town center, I think, and I was on the parking team. And if you were if you were there at that service, just wave at me. I want to know who. We got a couple people, okay? Um, but, man, God has been doing some really cool stuff through this church here uh, in Fayetteville. My name is Seth Tomboli, uh, kind of like a pasta, okay? I'm Italian, and uh, I want to show you my kids. I love them. I've got a picture of my daughter. Would you throw that up there? This is Haven. Everybody say, oh. Yeah, y'all weren't in the car though. Uh, yes, yesterday and the day before, on the way up here, it took us six and a half hours to get here from Little Rock. Okay, and if you're a parent, you just, you know what I'm talking about. And this was the first time we experienced this. We pulled over and I ran down rallies. And it was super sketchy, okay? There was some weird stuff going on there, but we parked and uh, Kendra's got Haven in the car and, and like legs up, she's crying, her belly's full. And I'll just tell you, there was an explosion, okay? Um, it looked like somebody threw mustard all over the car. And uh, I cleaned the car for about 30 minutes because it was everywhere. And um, we have a permanent uh, air freshener in that car. So pray for us. I've got another picture uh, of my son, this is Zane Isaiah Tomboli, and yes, his initials are zit. Don't judge us, okay? I was like, babe, we can't do that. And Kendra was like, babe, no one will know. I'm like, it's it's his initials, you know? And uh, he is amazing. He has so much joy inside of him. He brings life. We prayed for little life last service because he was, if y'all were in there serving with him, just want to say thank you. We prayed for you to be anointed, okay? I love my son. Um, he recently just uh, stopped doing something. He stopped eating dog. Uh, dog. food. So that was a huge win for us as a parent. We celebrate those wins, okay? And y'all, it it was, we had a choice to make. I told Kendra we're either going to get a dog kennel for Zane, or we're going to get rid of our dog, because he keeps sneaking into the pantry and eating dog treats. <laughs> and uh, anyways, we got rid of our dog, and Zane is still here, so I guess we're decent parents. But it is, uh, man, it's a joy to be with you guys today. I was going to show you a video of Zane. He had a, a bucket stuck on his head last week. He has his father's jeans, and my head has been this big since I was born, okay? <laughs> and uh, anyways, when Kendra and I uh, first got married, We were, uh, we. were I wasn't in ministry yet. I was trying to figure out the call of God on my life. And Kendra and I were living in Conway. And we have any newlyweds in here? Any newlyweds? We've got a couple, okay? Well, Kendra and I, you know, before sin entered the world, um, people, everybody was naked, and so uh, just fun fact. And uh, Kendra and I were, it was like midnight one night, and uh, I would sleep with just tube socks on. Don't get a visual, okay. Um, and Kendra leaned over. And she was like, hey, babe, I left my phone charger in the car. And she was like, will you go get it for me? And I was like, sure, you know, I'm a good husband, serve my wife. I get up out of bed and, and Kend- Kendra says, I bet you won't go out there like that. And I'm a risk taker, okay? If you're a risk taker, just kind of give me a little nod, all right? And so I was, and I, I was like, oh, I will. And so sure enough, I marched to the front door. She's, you know, walking by. She's laughing. Keep in mind, we're newlyweds. Give me a break. And, uh, and so I opened the door, and there is one street light in front of the house. Okay, the only street light on our street. It's like pitch black and our house is glowing. That, when really white people get in the light, you glow. Okay, and so I, I opened the door and I saw the car and I took off running, all right? And I get out to the car and uh, I, I sling the door open and I get that phone charger, okay? Husband of the year award, I get a trophy. And then I heard a door open. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, I got a decision to make. I can either fall on the ground and act like something's wrong with me, which something was, you know. Or I could take off running and hit my fastest 40 time back to the house. And so that's what I did. And I took off running, y'all. I've got phone charger in one hand, Kendra's in the window. She's like, I'm so proud of you. And I get to the door, I forgot there was a step. (laughs) And I I hit the step and uh, y'all, I hit the pillar. We had a brick pillar. I hit the wall and uh, I'm scraped up and it's like naked and afraid, 2.0. Okay, I'm laying on the front porch. It was, I was in like the fetal position. And this is like one of the most vulnerable places I've ever been in in my entire life. And my wife is in the window just, y'all, she is dying laughing. She gets me inside. She's pouring peroxide on me. Anyways, I tell you that because I was was stuck in a position that was very uncomfortable. And it was because of the decisions I had made previously. And I I just want to encourage you this morning, if you are stuck, if you're in a place that seems like it's hopeless, Maybe you have been uncertain about what the future holds and you just seem like you can't get out of the mud of life. I just want to tell you that God has something for you today and he wants you to get unstuck. This guy in John 5, he was stuck. For 38 years, this man was an invalid. He was waiting uh, for, for healing. He was waiting. He was sitting beside a pool waiting for the moving of water and he had no clue that he was about to experience a move of God. This is a man without strength. He's about to encounter Jesus. He didn't even know this was Jesus. And, and this is where strength is found. He was hopeless. He's literally about to encounter the person that delivers hope to us. And so I wanna give you some context on what's going on here. And in, in verse one, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now by in Jerusalem, there's a sheep gate a a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. So uh, the sheep gate was where they would keep the sheep before sacrifice. They would take them down to this pool and they would cleanse them before they would go to be sacrificed. And it's very interesting. I was looking up and doing some research about this pool, they they actually did a dig a couple years ago and found this pool in the city. And they found the five porches, the colonnades, and, and, and you can Google it and look it up. It's really cool. So the word Beth, anytime you see Beth in the Bible, like Bethlehem, the word Beth means house, okay? And so Bethlehem is the house of bread. Bethsaida is the house of fish. And Bethesda, this is where we're talking about today, is the house of mercy. And I find it really interesting. So the number five in the Bible, it means grace. And so they've got these porches around, it's a place of mercy and grace, but these people were laying in a position, they were in misery. There was hundreds of people that would gather at these porches and wait for the moving of the water. And they would be in all kinds of conditions. And it says in verse three, in these laid a great multitude of sick people. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. And it's interesting because what was going on is these people, they had, it was like a wise tale that if, if the water starts moving, which by the way, the reason it would bubble, uh, many people believe that there was a spring that fed into the bottom of this pool. And so the spring would release water several times throughout the year and the water would begin to bubble, okay? And it was mineral water, kind of like LaCroix, I guess you could say, any LaCroix people in here. And uh, they would literally, they would think if I get in the water, I'll be healed. And uh, Jesus shows up on the scene and kind of everything changes. And the mentality that these people had, I just want us to get a picture of this. It was kind of a first come, first serve. Like when the water starts moving, whoever can get to the water the fastest would be the one who gets healed. And I just think it's important that we understand there were probably about a 1,000 or 2,000 people gathered at these porches at this time of the year. It was during a festival. And so there were more people around and there was a lot of people there and they were in a very hopeless situation. And, And I think it's important for us to know today that if you walked in this place, Maybe you're like I was and you got tricked into coming to church today, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, maybe you're here with somebody or maybe you just walked in and, and you're, you're waiting on a move from God. And I just want to encourage you that today God may be waiting on a move from you. And I think that he wants us to take a step today. And so whatever the situation is, I think that he wants us to take a step and move forward today. So we're going to do that. It says in verse 5, One who had been there uh, was an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? And and I just want to pause because I think if Jesus was present in the flesh here today, I think he would come up and grab some people by the shoulders and he would ask the same question today. Do do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be restored? Do you want healing for your family, for your marriage, or whatever area it may be for you? I think this guy, it's very interesting how he responds. He asked him, do you want to be made well? Verse 7 says, the sick man answered him. And he said, sir, I don't have anybody to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming down, another one steps in before me. What was this guy doing? He was making an excuse. Just kind of wave at me if you've ever made an excuse before, okay? If you've ever been late to work, anybody, okay? It's you don't have to even practice the excuse; it just comes out, right? If you've got kids, you know you've probably heard a lot of excuses. I think one of the ways that we get stuck in our life or maybe in our faith is we we make excuses, and that's the first point I want you to write down. You you have to excuse your excuse, or maybe you have multiple and you have excuses. Uh, excuses are not a new thing. Uh, from the very beginning of time in the Bible, you can go all the way back uh, when, when God showed up and asked Adam or asked Eve, who caused you to sin? She said, the snake made me do it, okay? And then God asked Adam, he said, who, why did you eat of the fruit? And he said, the woman, ma- the woman you gave me made me do it. Some of y'all still do this today, okay? And then Gideon, he's supposed to be a mighty warrior, And and his excuse to God was, but my family is not much to speak of. Moses was supposed to lead millions of people, and his excuse was, God, I'm not adequate enough. I don't know enough. People won't take me seriously. I can't speak well. Jeremiah, he, he he said, God, I'm too young. And then I love this one. When Aaron was asked, hey, who made this golden cow? He was like, we threw gold into the fire, and then a golden cow jumped out. It's like there's excuses all through the Bible. And I just want to tell you, if you have an excuse today, you're in good company. But God can work through your excuse. This guy, he was asked, do you want to be made well, and he responds with an excuse. I wrote down that your excuse could be the very thing that stands between where you're currently at and where God wants you to go. For me, y'all, I spent a lot of time in my life wasting time. I spent a lot of time making excuses. I remember when God called me to ministry and and I felt like I was supposed to do this whole, I was like, "I, I don't know, God, I'm not smart enough. God, I've never been to Sunday school. I've been to Saturday school, you know. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Saturday school. Does that count? And I remember thinking I don't speak well. I, I can't read well. I'm dyslexic. I, I have a hard time writing and, and reading. And, and I remember I, I would never want to write on the board in front of class. And, and I would give God my excuses. And, and to get a little bit more real with y'all, I remember in college I was addicted to pills. And, and, and I was drinking myself to sleep. And, and I had every reason why, God, you can't use someone like me. The stuff I was looking at online, I was addicted to so many things and unhealthy relationships. And I thought that my identity was what I had done. And maybe you're here this morning and the only thing you're supposed to hear is God can still work through you, even through your excuses. And I think there's something beautiful when we bring those excuses to to Jesus and we say, God, I've got all these things, but I want you to use my life. Instead of saying, Yes, this guy in John 5, he told Jesus every reason why he couldn't be healed. And I think, just like I mentioned earlier, if Jesus was here, he would be asking us, he would say, Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Do you, do you want to be restored? I, maybe for you today, God is nudging you to take a step. Like sharing your faith with, with a coworker. Or maybe, maybe one, maybe you've got a coworker that like you just can't stand them, okay? Everybody's got one. I just want you to visualize the person right now. Some of y'all are smiling. You're thinking way too hard about this, okay? God wants you to love on them. And maybe you've got a a family member who is running from the things of God or a kid who is rebelling. Maybe God is wanting you to to make a move in that. Maybe God's wanting you to attend a life group or serve at the church or, or making a move of faith. But here's the reality is that so often we don't take that step because the enemy has knocked us down. And there's something that the enemy is really good at doing. Not only does he knock us down, but... How many of you would agree that he he tries to keep you there? He, he tries to keep you on the ground and, and staying in that position. I think today is the day, as I was praying, getting ready for this, I think this is the day where people are going to step back up. You, you're going to get back up, and it brings me to my next point. Point number two, you, you got to get back up. This man in the story, he didn't stay on his mat. He got back up. Maybe you're here and you are exhausted, like things have been crazy and and you're tired, and maybe you're wore out. Maybe you're burnt out. Maybe you're, you're stressed, and you're overwhelmed, and, and just the thought of doing something else just gives you anxiety. Maybe you're, you've got a decision coming up, and you are very fearful about the future. I just want to tell you, God wants to breathe life into a situation that may seem hopeless for you. It's like the great theologian Chumbawamba said, uh, I get knocked down but I get up again. You're never gonna keep me down. It's not a theologian, okay? And that song actually means something completely different. We won't talk about it, but the the world is crazy. Would y'all agree? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on around us from everything from politics all the way to uh, sports teams, okay? Uh, We won't talk about that. Maybe your situation in life is is a little chaotic right now. I, I believe that Jesus wants there to be peace in your situation, but here's the deal. Everybody look at me. God is asking some people this morning, hey, get back up. You, you, you fell down. Maybe you did the thing that you told God, I, I'll never do it again. I, I'm never going to go back to that. And, and God is saying, I love that we serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. And, and he's just saying, would you just get back up? Would you give me a chance with your life? I love Jesus walks up and he tells the paralyzed man, get up. This would be like Jesus walking in a hospital today. And there's like rooms of people on uh, bed rest, and they can't get out of their bed. And he says, hey, get up, just to kind of paint a picture for you. He literally walks up. These people don't know who Jesus is. The man who was healed didn't know who Jesus was until after everything happened. And he says, get up. I've seen in my short time of living for God, I've seen a lot of people, they, they have impossible situations But those things that seem impossible become very possible because they realize they have Jesus in their life. And so I want to ask you, and I'll say it this way. When God gives you a command to do something, or when God is nudging you to do something, he will always give you the ability, the strength, the courage, the compassion, the peace, the gifts to be able to accomplish that thing. And so maybe you're here. And you have every excuse of why you can't be used by God. Maybe you have every reason why you feel like you can't get back up again. I want to tell you that God wants there to be hope in a hopeless situation in your life. For me, personally, there were so many times in my life where I didn't get back up because I didn't think I had the power to do so. I would sin. I would do the very thing that I told God I'll never go back to. For me right now, currently, it's just being easily frustrated with people. Anybody else get frustrated with people? I'm like, man, God, I'll never go back to it, but I do. But God is saying, I give you the power to get back up. And it says in the word that you were created in Christ Jesus to, to do good works, That Jesus prepared. that God prepared good things in advance for you to do. I realize that I have the strength that I can speak the word of God. And it says that the enemy literally has to flee. And so if we believe this is true, God wants to use us. God wants to move in us and through us. We just have to get back up. I think about this guy and I imagine how painful and how miserable this guy must have been. He's laying there. He's watching other people get healed. He's seeing other people walk and maybe see for the first time. And this guy is looking at a future that he could never get to. He, he's, he's hopeless. He's helpless. And I just imagine being so close. I want you to get this picture. I think some people, I know for me, I went to church my first few times this way. And I would be like, yeah, that's great. But they don't really understand what's going on in my life. Uh, that's, oh, okay, okay, I get what you're saying, Seth, but, but I don't really know how to get up. Like, I don't know how to take a step. I don't know how to make a move uh, of faith. Everyone has a next step. I just want to ask you this morning very boldly, like, are you going to take it? Everybody's step looks different. But we all have that step. Maybe if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I just want to tell you that we love you and we are so excited that you're here this is a great place to be even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ yet. I remember right before I got saved, I was at a private school playing baseball and I would make fun of Christians. I would ridicule the church. I had every reason why God couldn't use somebody like me and then God set me free. If you're not a believer in this room, I just want want you to know a great next step is to put faith in Jesus. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you're a believer in this room, maybe your next step is to not pray that God would do something and to use somebody else, but you to pray, God, you can use me. Not only can you use me, but God, I want you to give me the power and the courage and the strength for me to step up to the plate and be used. I, y'all, we, we gotta get up. You, one of the dangerous prayers that you could pray as a believer is, God, you can do anything you want through me. Like when your feet hit the floor in the morning, Say, God, you could do whatever you wanna do through me today. There's nothing off limits. When you say go, I'll go. When you say speak, I'll speak. When you say to be quiet, I'll shut my mouth. I'll do anything and everything you want me to do, but be careful because anyone that's prayed that prayer, you are confident and you know that God will do those things, right? He'll do it. I think often we don't invite God to use us because we are so laser focused on why he can't use us. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where all you can see is your mistakes. All you can see is your past sin or your present sin or your failures. And, and I, I was so encouraged when I read the Bible for the first time. Because I, I thought the Bible was full of people who had it together. Yo, know, I opened the Bible and I was like, these people are jacked up. <laughs> and I was like, I can relate with them. Like all the disciples, I can relate to them, right? All, everybody in the Old Testament, I'm like, I can relate with these people because they were full of sin. They were full of brokenness. There's so many people in the Bible, they weren't even known by a name. They were known by their issue. I'll give you a couple. Uh, This passage we're reading, John 5, the crippled man. He was crippled for 38 years. We don't know his name, but we know his issue. Luke 8, the woman had an issue of blood. John 4, the Samaritan woman. John 8, the woman caught in adultery. John 9, the man who was blind. Mark 5, the demoniac. Mark 1, there was a leper, and he was, we don't know these people's names, but we know they had an issue. And for the longest time, I, I thought that I was my, my issue. I thought that I was an addict. I thought I was an alcoholic. I thought I, I, was, I, I was addicted to this. I thought I, it's always going to be this way. There's no way I could get out of this struggle. I remember uh, after graduating high school, going on vacation with my family, and, and I was a thief. I, I stole for five or six years. And I remember if, if I wasn't stealing physical things, I would look at people who were happy, who had joy, and I would steal their joy with my words. And I remember going on this vacation, and I walked into this place. My whole family's there. It's the second day of vacation, and I walk into this place, and I steal a pair of sunglasses. And I, and I, I was walking out of the store, I was walking through the parking lot, and I'm thinking, i I'm free, I didn't get caught. And then I hear someone hollering behind me. And I'm thinking, oh goodness. And I turn around and this lady is running through the parking lot and I knew I was busted. And I go back in this store, there's all these people looking at me. And I walk in and she brings me back around and she said, I just want you to know the police are on their way. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to tell my family about it. Like, this is so embarrassing and I'm standing back there with this lady and she's like, are you here alone? And I was like, no ma'am, my family's here. She was like, get him on the phone right now. So I called my mom and uh, she's talking to my mom. And she says, I want you to know I have your son. He just stole something. The cops are about to be here. He's gonna be arrested today. And I just want you to know, if, you go, if you're looking for him, he will be at the police station. She hangs up the phone and this lady pauses and, and she, she looks at me and I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, I ain't never been to jail. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I wasn't bred for this, you know. And I, I'm, I'm a wreck. And she looks at me and she says, Seth, I don't think that you're a thief. And I was like, I, I just stole these glasses. What do you mean? Like, I'm not talking. I'm just staring at this lady. And now I know this lady had the spirit of God in her. She says, I don't think that you're a thief. And I think that today is going to be the day that you walk out of this place and you go and you sin no more. You're never gonna take another thing in your life. Give me your word. I could hear the police sirens. And I was like, I, I deserve to go to jail. I just stole these glasses. She said, take the glasses and go. And I walk out of the store, police officers are walking in. I remember I walked to the car, my little brother was like six or seven years old. And he was like, Bubba, is it true that you're a thief? And man, I was broken. It was the first time in my life I experienced the grace of God. I experienced God in a real way. And this is the thing, is that for the longest time in my life, I thought that I was my sin. This is, this is how it's always gonna be. Some of you, you've gotten so caught up in your sin that you think you are your sin. But, but the gospel says that Jesus came He took on flesh. He lived amongst imperfect people that his father sent him to die and become sin. And he took it. For some of you, maybe for the first time, this is a day that you realize you are not what you have done. You are not what you've seen. You are not what people have said about you. You are a child of the King. He created you in Christ Jesus to do good things for the kingdom of God. That he knows every detail about your life. That he breathed purpose and passion and identity into you from the first day that you were born. And I just think that this morning he wants to wake some people up. He says, I'm not, I haven't given up on you. If you're in here and you have every reason, every excuse, every reason why you can't get up, Every reason why you can't excuse your excuse. I love this next part. He says, take up your mat and go. This is beautiful. It says in verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your mat and walk. This was impossible. This man can't walk. And it says immediately the man was made well. He took up his mat and he walked. Jesus tells him later in the story. There were some real religious people watching this happen. All this happened on the Sabbath, by the way. And it was the law, it was verbal laws of the land that you couldn't, you couldn't even pick up your, your mat on the Sabbath. Like, if you go to, to this town today, if you go to this place and you take an elevator, you can't, you can't take an elevator to go to another floor because they believe it's work to press a button. But they tell you to walk up the stairs. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's religion. It's religion. These people are saying, Jesus, you can't do this. They tell the man, you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. He says, I don't know what you're saying, but the man that healed me told me to take up my mat, to get up and to walk. And then Jesus tells this man, go and sin no more. Y'all listen, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. There's a reason he didn't leave his mat. Please don't miss this. There's a reason the man was healed. He gets up for the first time in his life He's like, this is what it's like to walk. And then he says, pick up your mat and go. Why did he pick up his mat? Because that mat was the very thing that has carried him his whole life. And now he's carrying it. Let me tell you something beautiful about being a believer is that you were broken and you're still jacked up. Just like me. Okay, But when God gets involved in your life, he heals you. He sets you free of some things. You get to carry that as a story of what God has done. Have y'all ever met somebody who gets set free and they don't ever talk about their mess ups and mistakes? We don't like being around people like that. (laughs) I don't. That's called religion. The Bible says that we've all fallen short. We we, we all need the the grace of Jesus. And and I was in Bible school. I, I give my life to Jesus at this retreat. Garrett was preaching 10 years ago. The next day, my father gets released from prison and God was asking me to forgive him and I had every reason of why I couldn't do such a thing. I I can't, I had this idea of an earthly father that was abusive and misleading and hurt me. And that day, I realized that my heavenly father is not like him. Some of you, maybe you've had a distorted picture of who God is. I wanna tell you today that he loves you He's proud of you. He may not be proud of what you're currently doing, but he can set you free of it. His grace is for you. I don't care how many excuses you have. God wants to use you, but you have to get up and pick up your mat. I'm convinced this guy was walking through the temple courts, and he had this mat, and he unrolled that bad boy. He was like, this thing used to smell bad. This thing is tore up. But you know what? God has set me free. There is something beautiful about when somebody gets set free by the gospel and the love and the grace and the mercy. You know what? Bethesda actually became a house of mercy that day, a house of grace. That's what the church is, where you can come in and you can be broken and you can be set free. And so if you would just close your eyes around the room, I want to pray for a couple groups of people.